refers to Abraham as her Lord, though she does not directly address him using this term. This is where, where the angel comes and says that Sarah's going to have a baby in a year, and she, can, she basically says, how can I have a child when my Lord is 99? You know, my, my Lord is almost 100, and you know, I'm, 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 I'm past menopause. How, how, can this, how can this be? She does. We, never in the Scriptures do we find her directly addressing Him as Lord, but she refers to Him as Lord. In fact, the use of this term would not have been unusual during that era. They said Lord like we say husband and wife today. This is my husband. This is my wife. So this is my Lord. It would be kind of the same idea here. So what is Peter referring to? What is, is, is it all about basically you, know, you, you show this honor by, by calling him husband? You know, or you show this honor by calling him sir? What's going on here? Well, let's think, let's think about the relationship between Abraham and Sarah. What's the point? And two things come to mind. Genesis 12 and Genesis 20. What happens in Genesis 12? There's a famine. And Abraham, without consulting God, goes back to Egypt, which he should never have done. He never consults God about it. He heads down to Egypt. And when he gets to Egypt, he looks at his wife and says, you're a one-hot mama. (laughs) And when the men of this country see you, they're going to desire you so You tell everybody, you're my sister, which Abraham and Sarah were half brother and half sister. What happens? Pharaoh's servants see her. They commend her to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh immediately takes takes Sarah into his harem. Long enough for Abraham to get, he pays the dowry price for her. He gets female and male slaves. I think he gets some donkeys, maybe even some camels. I think he even gets some money. He gets a lot. He gets a lot. And finally, because of the plague that's come upon Pharaoh's house, Pharaoh comes to Abraham and he says, What have you done to me? This just, this, this just isn't your sister. She's, she's your wife. Now, imagine you're, ladies, imagine you're Sarah. Imagine you're fixing to go into... Should we pick on Arkansas or Oklahoma? Whichever one, okay? Anybody, anybody here from Oklahoma? Okay, I'll pick on Oklahoma then, okay? So, so, so we're going to go into Oklahoma. And when they see you, they're going to think you're an attractive woman. So you tell everybody that you're, you're my sister. So you get there and some guy goes, hubba hubba. And he, you know, he says, yay. Hey, I, I, I'd, like, I'd, like to, I'd, I'd like to marry your sister. I'd like to have her as my wife. Well, go on. Just give me the right dowry price. I mean, how, how would you feel if you were Sarah? Now, you'd think Abraham would have learned his lesson until you get to Genesis chapter 20. And then you find Abraham, and they go into the land where basically Abimelech is leading. He's, he's, the, he's the, 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 the city king, the, the sovereign king over that area. And he goes there, and basically Abraham does the same thing, and Abimelech takes Sarah into his harem, and then God basically comes to him at night in a dream because it's, it's, it's in this time frame now that we're make sure that there's no question about who, 
who the birth of Sarah's baby is going to be, though Sarah isn't pregnant this time. And he goes through the same thing. And then Abraham makes a statement. Every, on all our journeys, this is what I've told Sarah to do. <laughs> Tell everybody, you know, you're my sister. So that my life can be protected. My life can be protected. Because if I'm afraid if they don't know God, then they're going to kill me because they want my wife. So she's just going to tell everybody she's my sister so that my life can be protected. Now, is that somebody who is anchored in the faith and following the word of God? Sarah, though, submits to the questionable, at best, the questionable wisdom of her husband in an unjust and frightening situation. The best thing we can say about this because there's debate about, because there's sister wives, there was a category of sister wives. I mean, we're not going to get all into that. But the best thing that you can say about this is this, that Abraham was using questionable wisdom. That's the best thing. But yet Sarah submits to the questionable wisdom of her husband in an unjust and frightening situation, and guess what? God protects her. God protects her. But lastly, Peter teaches also by what he doesn't say. He doesn't instruct these wives with specific details on what submission looks like. You know, you would think Peter would say, okay, if your husband says you can't go work, he doesn't tell them whether or not to go to worship. He doesn't tell them, well, just stay at home and worship privately. He doesn't say, listen, just tell your husband I'm going to obey God rather than men and I'm going to go to worship with my other brother. He, he doesn't mention any of that stuff that you, that you and I would like answers for. He doesn't. And here's the point. While we are called to uphold the biblical order of marriage as it mirrors the relationship between Christ and His church, we must refrain from trying to specify what that must look like in every case. All that to say this, and here's the challenge. Whereas this whereas submission is theological in its demands. Whether you lived in Abraham's time, Peter's time, or today. Submission is theological in its demand, but its demonstration is cultural. Let me explain this. I'm going to ask you ladies to, to lift your hands on this. How many of you ladies either went to work by yourself or to the store by yourself or ran errands by yourself this week? Let me see your hands. Okay, now look around because all these women with their hands up, they are dirty, rotten sinners. According to first century standards. Because in the first century, a woman who was in submission to her husband and wanted to show respect towards her husband would never leave her home unescorted, would never leave her home not being escorted by a male. Whether that male was her husband, her father, her brother, her uncle, her, her son, her cousin, a woman who wanted to show respect to her husband in the first century would never leave her home unescorted. Never. Now today, we don't think twice about it, do we? In fact, usually if the wife says, Honey, do you want to go with me? No, I think I'll just... You go ahead and go on, you know? You go ahead and go on. I'll just... I'll stay here. You go ahead and go on. We don't think a thing about it. 
the expression of submission changes in each culture. And so we've got to be careful on saying that, yes, this is, how it, this is what it must look like. Maybe, maybe not. But the, 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 the premise, the fact that the role is one of submission to her husband, that doesn't change regardless of the culture. That doesn't change regardless of the era of, 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 the era of time it is. But how that is expressed will change. We've got to be careful. And so that's, that's the challenge. That's the tension. We've got to make sure as we're figuring out what this looks like in our marriages, as we figure out what this looks like, we've got to be careful that we don't make, allow the culture to influence us when maybe the culture shouldn't be influencing us. And vice versa. So, let me close with this encouragement from our text. Ladies, you have the opportunity of becoming a wife and woman that is highly honored by God and others. A daughter of Sarah. A daughter of Sarah. How? Look at our text. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if... These two things now. Here's the condition. If you do good... And do not fear anything that is frightening. There's the two conditions. If you want to be a daughter of of Sarah, if you want to be honored by God, here's the two conditions. Number one, do good. What's that mean? Well, let's look at the context. What's going on in the context? In reverence to God, in reverence to God, in reverence to God, Submit to your husband, even if his wisdom is questionable because of his disregard for God's word. You say, that's hard. That's going to bring us to the second point in just a second. In reverence to God, submit to your husband. Again, remember the caveat that we get? We're not talking about, he's not talking about abusive situation. He's not talking about where the husband is demanding the wife to do something contrary to Scripture. Peter's not addressing that. That, That's not addressed in this context. So, in reverence to God, submit to your husband, even if his wisdom is questionable because of his disregard for God's word. And then secondly, how how you do good is choose what he will see. Choose what he will see. Is he going to see outward? Or is he going to see inward? Is he going to see you you knowing him well enough to know what works? You know what works. You know what can, can, can twist him in the direction you want him to go. You know what works. Or are you going to choose a gentle and tranquil spirit? You get to choose. The second thing he says, and do not fear anything that is frightening. Let me kind of let me sum up what this what this kind of means here. In other words, not fearing any intimidation from individuals or circumstances. Don't be intimidated by it. Remember, I said earlier, in reverence to God, submit to your husband, even if his wisdom is questionable because of his disregard for God's word. And I said that's hard. What do you do? Well, you don't get intimidated by it. You don't fear it because it'd be easy to fear. 
gosh, if, 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 if things don't change here, this, thing, this thing's all going to blow up. Not fearing any intimidation from individuals or circumstances. The wives, again, what did he say about, what did he say about the wives of, of, of old? He says, for this likewise, how the holy wives who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. And by the way, let me give you the example of Sarah, whose foolish husband said, don't tell him you're my wife, tell him you're my sister. And twice she gets taken into a king's harem. Twice. Not, to, not, to, not, not, only, not, not just that the fool did it once. The fool did it twice. Twice she gets put into a king's harem. And yet God protected her. God protected her. The wife who hopes in God cannot be intimidated. What does Lisa have to fear from me? when she's hoping in God. Am I bigger than God? Can I do this to God and God and just say, come on, God, let's go. Mono a mono, baby. I'm an idiot if I do that. What can I do? What can I do? God can kill me over with a heart attack that quick. If God, if God wants to take me out, he can take me out. Now, you may, as a wife, say, yeah, I can take him out too, but that usually will land you into prison, okay? God, God can do it without you going to prison, okay? God can take me out. He can take me out. The wife who wholly relies on God rather than her own strength to defend her against injustice cannot be intimidated. The wife who wholly relies on God rather than her own strength to defend her against injustice cannot be intimidated. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever he will. Whithersoever he will. Lace and I have kind of a running joke. One time we were, when we had a, play, a, little, a trailer out in Granbury, one time we were out there and, and we were fighting this time. I mean, this time we were fighting. And it was my fault. It was my fault. I mean, I was fuming about, so I don't remember what it was about, but I was fuming about something, but I know it was my fault. And I was back in the back doing some stuff, and lo and behold, I get stung. Lisa hears me go, oh, oh. She said, what's wrong? I said, I got stung by a wasp. And she starts giggling. <laughs> she goes, you think God may be trying to tell you something? <laughs> and so... From then on, that's kind of been a running joke with us. Now, Christmas Eve night, we're driving over to, to her extended family. And we're, we're talking, and, you know, again, one of our disagreements, and we're not fighting, but we're, we're, we're bickering. I mean, I don't know if I'd go there, but we're, we're not, but we're, we're, we're disagreeing. It's obvious we're disagreeing. And I'm talking, and I'm chewing gum, and I bite my upper lip. I go, oh, and I start laughing. She says, why are you laughing? Bee sting, <laughs> you know, wasp sting, you know, because I'm talking about, because I, I think what I was saying when I did it was something like this, and you know I'm telling you the truth, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I bite my lip. God has a way of getting his message across to us. 
He has a way of getting his message across to us. So, let me close with this statement. Every wife listening to me, every wife listening to me, and if mine was in here, it'd be true for her as well. Every wife listening to me has had to suffer under a husband's leadership devoid of obedience to God's word. Every wife. Because I fail. I'm a sinner. I'm I'm not perfect when it comes to obedience to God's word all the time. So every wife listening to me has had to suffer under a husband's leadership devoid of obedience to God's word. So, do good. Do good without fear of intimidation as an instrument of God's grand purpose, becoming a woman and wife who is highly honored by her Lord. You're not being a doormat. Not being a doormat. Allow God to use you as His instrument. It's a grand, there's a bigger purpose than having His mind changed. And that is to draw His heart back to the Word of God. To the Word of God. I know this isn't culturally acceptable today. I know people that would mock at it that would scoff at it. Archaic foolishness. Call it all you want. But the Word of God is true. It's true. And even if we're called to suffer unjustly, God honors us when we respond in a way that pleases God. Father, thank you again for your word. For this, for this passage of scripture that for some they would just soon take a pen knife and just take it out. Others use it in an abusive way, in an abusive manner. Father, help us to accurately understand what's taking place, to take it within its context, to apply it correctly in our lives. Lord, help us as men to pray for our wives. Lord, They've got to follow our leadership, and it's flawed. Lord, help us to pray for them, that God would give them, give them the strength to be able to respond when, when, when we're simply not doing our job the way it should be done, when we're not fulfilling the responsibility the way that we should be fulfilling it. Help us, Father, each and every day to, to pray for them, to, that God would, that you, Lord, that you would encourage them and strengthen them and Lord, help them to, to respond correctly when, when we, we do this thing. Lord, I pray that our, the wives here today would be, would be encouraged and strengthened. Lord, to realize that, that there's a grander purpose and there's, there's the opportunity of receiving honor from God as they seek to follow Him in this time of unjust suffering and do so in a way to follow the footsteps of Christ. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its instruction. We thank you for its clarity. We thank you, Father, that um, 
that we can fully trust you. Lord, we live in a world where there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ways in which people look at how somebody needs to do this or to do that. And Lord, as one person asked one time, to be changed into what? My idea of what normalcy is? My idea of what it should look like? And Father, you've told us in your word exactly what it should look like. That we should be changed into the image of Christ because you're the one that created us. And you created us to image you. So Father, be with our husbands today. Father, help us to, to lead well. Help us, Father, to be an encouragement to the wives that you have given us. And Lord, for those ladies that are here today, Lord, I pray you help them, Lord, to respond in a way when, when we as husbands fail. And Lord, to realize that even in that time and in that moment and that opportunity, that there is something bigger going on than that particular moment, that particular... So Lord, we just commit ourselves to you and we thank you and praise you for your work of grace in our lives. We pray these things in Christ's name through the Spirit. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We don't have an altar call, but we do have an invitation. Again, as we've talked about, this is all about a believing wife. Somebody who's chosen to follow Christ. And that's where it starts. It starts with submitting ourselves, whether we're male or female, to the, to the rule of God. None of us can do anything to make ourselves acceptable to God. We're broken. We're born broken. We're born depraved. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. We want to be the master and ruler of our own life. We believe we know it all. We've got the answers. And yet Scripture tells us that we come out of the womb as an enemy of God because we want no God but yet God in his love and mercy for us as we've celebrated yesterday sent his son God became a man the eternal son of God robed himself in flesh and became like one of us and lived the kind of life we could never live and offered up his perfect life of righteousness on the cross as the penalty for my sin and your sin. And that when we put our faith and trust in who Jesus is and what He's accomplished on that cross and that this same one who was crucified rose from the grave is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. And when we come to Him confessing our sin and through faith and repentance, we have eternal life. And that's where it starts. That's where it starts. But it becomes a journey from then on. And it's a journey that's lived the same way. Where we continually find ourselves submitting to God. Submitting to His Word. So we're going to have a time of silence. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed. And give you an opportunity. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, we'd love to talk with you after the services. If you do, we just want to encourage you today. That we apply the truths of this passage of Scripture to our lives.
Let's go to a Lord in a time of silence.